Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another lockdown podcast. We are in week 12. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I'm here today, as ever, with my colleague, Marlene Royal. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you. So before we kick off, thank you for joining us live. For those of us who are on the Facebook group, um, very, very nice to see you all. And also, please remember that you can ask questions at any time when you are live watching us. If you type it in the comments below the stream, we will see them come up and we will try and get to them at the end of the show. Now, Rowing Chat is sponsored by Blake Gourlay. He has written a book which is called The Movement of Rowing, and it explains how your limitations in your foot and ankle can affect your ability to perform to a high level. It affects your technique. It can also affect your health. The book has self-screening strategies, so you can find out how good or bad your own personal flexibility and movement is, and also solutions so that you can overcome these limitations. It's suitable for rowers, it's suitable for coaches, and you can get the ebook with a 30% discount by using the promo code ROWINGCHAT. If you go to our website, rowing.chat forward slash sponsors, you will find the link there. Now, the book is also on Amazon, but sadly without a discount coupon. Our second sponsor is the Charles River Speed Order. Greg Benning, Sandra Rusendahl and Gregory Smith have organised a month-long on-the-water challenge over the head of the Charles course. So if you're fortunate enough to be based in Boston, Massachusetts in the US, you can take part in the Charles River GPS Speed Order. Here's how it works. You row the course in your single skull with something on board to measure your GPS data. You then submit it to their website, which is rosendall.com, and you enter it into the challenge. And the very clever technologists there have enabled a way of assessing each of the individual's events, and it then compares you to everyone else who submitted results. Obviously, you can do it multiple times, as many times as you want to row the course. The organizers also say, if you have a river or a lake and you would like to run a little speed order, please get in touch. They would love to have other clubs and venues set one up for themselves. You can find all of the details for this on our sponsors page, rowing.chat forward slash sponsors. Now, Marlene, how's your week been? And, and welcome to everyone who's watching live. Don't forget you can ask questions by putting it in the comments box. So what have you been up to this week? Oh, it's actually been a, been a pretty nice week. I had some good rows this week and I actually got out and had my first um, lessons on the water this week with some of my local people. So it was it felt really good to get that fix of coaching on the water. Like, you know, we coaches are sort of addicted to coaching on the water. So it was it was very nice to to get out and work with some scholars live live this week. And um, you know, we basically my week was really um 
occupied with our final details to get our club open so that we can run our summer program. And fortunately, you know, we, we are a small program, but we still have to fill out all the paperwork. And um, so we, we got that permission. So um, we're feeling quite good that we're approved for singles and we'll be able to have our master's program and uh, youth program in, in singles. And um, that's kind of what I, what I really focused on all week. Um, and uh, kind of feels just good to get back into had a meeting with some Craftsbury people since our camps are not running. We're still meeting our campers via Zoom um, to answer questions and talk about some kind of exciting changes that have happened at Craftsbury. And um, so that was kind of nice. It sort of felt good to get into the, the mode of the season a little bit, you know, and, and I think we all realized how much we, we, we missed it already. So we were, we were ready. <laughs> Yeah, we've got a lot of planning as well. So uh, New Zealand went to level one at midnight on Monday. So we've just had 36 hours of normal life. The only change is that our borders are closed. So we are obviously very happy. We have a committee meeting this week. We're going to arrange our club supper and prize giving, which is hilarious. We have these our, our, the swan is our club logo with cross doors. And one of our colleagues spent a little bit of money on eBay buying, you know, those kind of miniature glass swans that people have like on their, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like the, the yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have a little, little gold beak and they're black swans because we have black swans here in New Zealand. And um, her son mounted them all on little wooden plinths. And then they have, no particular affiliation. So we can award them for whatever we want. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, so that's always, that's always good fun. And we also had a coaches meeting. So we have, um, we're very fortunate to have five coaches for our club this year for the first wow. time. People want to coach us. And that's we have six people wanting to join the club, which is even better. So um, we have a lot to talk about when we have our meeting, which will be later this week. And I got out of my double which was just awesome we had a lovely early morning outing um you know just getting back into the swing of things and stuff that you can't practice which is on your erg which you yeah you can in the water and it right. was just yes delightful i know you don't realize what it feels like to be away from it and then all of a sudden you, you go back to something that was so normal and it feels like oh you know i'm i'm doing this like it feels like I'm doing this for the first time you know it's like you know like if you haven't gone to the supermarket for a long time and then all of a sudden you go to the supermarket you're like I forget where everything is here you know so <laughs> good stuff so over this lockdown later lockdown podcast we've been focusing on single sculling tips we think we that a lot of people are going to be getting in the single for the very first time and so we pull together some simple tips for people who are less familiar with rowing the single so marlene what's our tip this week for single scholars well i i think a really important area to pay attention to if you're new to sculling is is the crossover of your oars i'm going to turn this way so you can see my hand so the crossover of the oars and when you cross over, you want to be careful not to be left hand over right. So a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you skull left over right. But technically, we really allow the left hand to move closer to the stern and the right hand to be closer to the bow. So you actually want to have one hand nesting. I'll demonstrate. Here we go. How's this? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
left yep. in front of right, not left over the top of right. Exactly, exactly. And and here, if I, I have two markers here too, you, you can see, let me get in the camera. You can see that if these, if I have things in my fingers, you create space that your hands can be nested very close together. And that's a big difference from having your handles in your palms. You can see how, see how that changes where the handles are versus getting the handles in the hook of your fingers brings them quite a bit closer together. So that, that affects the angles of your oars as your oars go to the water. So you don't want one oar going down at a steeper angle than the other oar, right? So we wanna have them as close as, oops, my coordination is good here. You wanna have them as close as possible to the water. You don't want one like that and the other one like that. So um, a drill that's very good to practice this is pausing arms away with the body over. So your hands are gonna just come to the crossover position and when you come to that position have the um the knuckle of your right hand nest against the heel of your left hand and um and just pause there for like a mini pause just enough that you have that kind of tactile signal that okay up oh, my hands are in the right position and and then and then as you move through the crossover your hands are simply going to move apart they're not going to move anymore towards the stern they're going to move out focus on moving your hands outside of the gunnels of the boat because as you come up to the top of the slide your hands are moving around the pin so your your handles are going to go from the crossover from the crossover wider you don't want them to stretch towards the stern so um, i think that that is a very good thing to focus on and on the drive you want your hands to to maintain that same relationship on the drive so on the drive that that bow bow hand has to has to come into the center to the fraction fraction earlier um but but don't don't focus on that too much because that'll mix you up so so just make sure at the crossover you're at you're at the same position and um i think that's extremely important later on for rowing in rough water if you're, if you're left, yeah. <laughs> so. Quick reminder then, do not wear a wristwatch when you are sculling, particularly when you're beginning to scull. Do not wear bracelets. Do not wear rings on your fingers. If you need to wear a watch because it's like a, a Garmin or a heart rate monitor or something, strap it to your oar. So you can strap it right next to the handle, just a little bit further down, and they stay on in, in usually in good position. But it's really important that you have nothing that could scrape you apart from your fingernails keep them nice and short um and also while you are rowing when you're trying to build what marlene's just described into your regular normal rowing pattern one thing that i often say to beginners beginners tend to want to use their eyes too much when they're trying to check that they're doing the right thing they're forever looking down or looking sideways try and figure out a different way of checking whether you're doing the right movement. And one way of doing that is feel. You can feel when your hands brush over each other. You, you actually physically glide. You might have like a cuff or, you know, the bottom of the palm of your hand, and you actually should be able to feel them touch. Because one thing I often notice when teaching beginners is they don't realize their hands have drifted, like mm -hmm. they're way apart. So there's air between their hands. You do not want that, as Marlene 
beautifully demonstrated with her electric yellow markers. Now, we have our visitors, our watchers, our first one, Andres, our very loyal watcher. He is here from Philly. Hey, Andres. And Cece from Whidbey in uh, Washington State. Hello. And hello to Noura from wow. Iraq. Wow. A jolly long way away. You're yeah. both welcome. And a reminder again, if you want to ask a question, please just pop it in the chat. Now, our big topic for this week is sculling in rough water. Now, this is going to apply whether you're a beginner or a more experienced person, but the fact is it's going to happen sometime. And it is a real mark of your oarsmanship if you can handle rough water. And if you want any inspiration as to how to do it, go look at the heats of the Rio Olympics women's single skulls, and you will <laughs> see the scullers have some hideous water. And the TV camera angle is such that you actually, in some of the shots, you do not see the boat. The boat is behind a wave in a dip, and the athlete, all you see is like their torso. It's almost like ocean rowing, where often you, you get the same sort of shots. And the wonderful, wonderful sculler from Mexico, whose name I will look up shortly, handles the water like a pro. And she comes out winning a heat, beating Kim Brennan, beating people who, you know, have world champion medals. She is an incredible technician in rough water. So Marlene, what is it that she does that we can all you know, aspire to? Well, I, I think um, rough, rough water is, is definitely going to be a reality. So, so plan on it. And, and if you happen to live in a place and row on placid water all the time, uh, and you're and you also compete, you know, you have to make a point of going out when the water is bad, exactly so that so you practice rowing in rough water. I mean, we all love who doesn't love flat water, but the reality is you're going to row a lot of races in wind and and rough water. So what what's key? Um, simply, key is get out of the water clean. So this is where, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, keeping, you know, exiting and making sure you clear the bottom edge of the blade. And as your hands come away, allow your hands to follow your thighs as your hands come away so that you carry the shaft a little bit higher off the water. So I think in rough water, you really have to focus on the, the release until you get out to the crossover position you that that's the point where you have time to, to get the blade up and continue to set the height of the shaft high enough off the water. So as you're as you're coming to the crossover, be increasing that height off the water so that when you get to the crossover, you're high enough off the water to be above the waves and then maintain that position um, of the shaft until until you prepare your blade and then place the blade in the water. So a key thing here is to understand that, you, particularly if you have a wing rigger, it's very easy to see. If the waves are coming up to the underside of your wing, you do not want to clip a wave when you're on the recovery. So Marlene's description, your shaft should be 
parallel with your wing almost, so that it really is above the highest wave tip, ideally. Mm -hmm. It's not always the case that you aren't asked to row in water where the wave is higher than your rigger, because we've all had situations where a wave is like broken over the river and sloshed into the boat. But this is a really good way to aim for, because the minimum disruption is what you're looking for in rough water. So adjusting your technique is really important. I mean, your hull, your hull will basically, you know, boats are designed to cut through water. So, so if you can keep your blades above the chop, your boat's going to travel through the water quite a bit easier. And, you know, where most people get into trouble is that they are not comfortable rowing with their blades off the water and they're not comfortable being high enough off the water. So that that's what you have to focus on. So this requires, um, a lot of stability in your lower body and a lot of relaxation in terms of, um, and I, I mean re relaxation in the sense of not having tension, um, not in the sense of like forgetting your posture and your technique, but but kind of active relaxation to make sure that, that your, um, I think of it as like cut your body in half, right? At your waist, your lower body's going to do one thing in the hull and your upper body is going to, to main, try to maintain level shoulders and level elbows and your hips are going to be um, adjusting with the seat and the foot stretchers. So you, you want to um, have that sense of, of balance and you can actually practice something like that on a, on a Swiss ball or a physio ball. You know, you can practice that sitting balance, keeping your shoulders level and adjusting with your, with your hips. So that's a good way to practice on land. Some of this upper body stability that you need in rough water. Yeah. The upper body stability is a real challenge that, Oh, look, I seem to have suddenly got a dazzle of sunlight. Oh, how do I yeah. move this? You're just going to have to live with me looking like I have rays coming yes. from above. It looks celestial. There we go. <laughs> Thank you so much, <laughs> if only. Um, having the ability to really feel yourself moving with the hull is hard to achieve. And when you get it, you know you've got it. So the very first time I experienced this, I was a very beginner sculler. I was in a little wooden single and... I remember rowing back to the boathouse through some wake that had been made by a motorboat. And for the first time ever, I realized I could continue sculling in my normal pattern while managing the waves of what was happening underneath, um, you know, the, the hull of the boat. And this is exactly how Marlene describes being able to be fluid enough in your lower body to go with whatever is happening. You just don't fight it, go with it. If the boat tilts one way, just let it happen. You can recover on the next stroke by pulling your finish level. You can then tilt the boat back to being fully horizontal. And that feeling of ease and flowing over the top of the waves is the result of getting what Marlene describes absolutely right in your boat. Many, many years ago, this is probably back in 2004. So my gosh, we're dating ourselves here. But um, remember in 2004 was the Junior World Championships. And of course, and the, and the um, I'm sorry, 2003, the Junior World Championships were in Athens. 
right. where, where the 2004 Olympics were. And that mm-hmm. was that um, the, the, the magazine cover, rowing news cover said Hurricane Shinius, you know, because th- this was like all the all the junior boats were just were just swamped. And um, and that summer I, I had the opportunity to coach with uh, Rachel Anderson and Rachel Anderson was um, on the U.S. team, she was a lightweight scholar, and she was in the double with Lisa Schlenker in 2003. And uh, and I asked her, I said, Rachel, you know, how do you how do you handle rough water? Like, what what do you do in that situation? And and this is what she she wrote to me. She said, the main thing is to stay calm and keep the power application low and stable in the legs rather than tensing up and using more upper body and back. Lisa Schlenker, she means. Lisa is great about reminding me to relax my neck, which has the effect of loosening everything from my shoulders to lats to the grip on the oars. I think square blade rowing is good practice for rowing in rough water and I, and also thinking about carrying the blades higher off the water so you don't slap so much, thereby keeping the boat running out as well as possible and in short, stable upper bodies, just push the knees down on the drive, loose shoulders, blades high off the water on the recovery. Um, as unpleasant as it is, I always feel like I'm rowing better after I come out of rough water and back into the calm. So I thought those were really, really good kind of universal tips for, um, you know, focusing on rough water and making a making a decision to, to manage it. You know, just like rowing with your blades off the water, your blades will never come off the water by themselves. You must do it. Um, it's not one of those things that will just happen. It will never just happen unless you pattern it and you make a make a commitment to it. So rowing in rough water is a, is a you know excellent drill. It certainly is, and definitely that reflection of making a commitment. So we all feel vulnerable when asked to do things that are outside our comfort zone, and so. Practicing things like square blade rowing, which force you to carry your oar shaft higher off the water, is a really good early preparation for the sorts of things that we're describing here. I was just looking up the name of the um, single sculler from um, Brazil, who just had such a fantastic um, Rio Olympics. And she was, I'm now... Kenya Lechuga Alanis was her name. So I'm glad we got there in the end. Um, she was a lesson to all of us about how to scull in rough water. Yes, but back to the thing about being outside your comfort zone. I find it helpful to progressively advance into a new technique or a new, let's call it a pattern of rowing. And so one way you can do this, if you're in a rough water situation, is to force yourself to do the different movement one stroke in three. So on this one stroke, I'm going to relax my neck. I'm going to relax my torso. I'm going to press the handles down so that they're lower over my thighs as I come through out to the crossover. And then I can have two strokes rowing in the way that I prefer to row. And then you can reverse it where you have one stroke the way you normally row and two in the new pattern of rowing. And really try and build that in so that you feel like you have a a safety net, which is your normal way of rowing, but you're also 
pushing yourself. And remember that you might feel you're making a really massive change and actually it can be really, really tiny and hard to spot with the naked eye. Well, I think that's a good point of say, you focus on one or two strokes, two or three strokes. Um, with any drill, focus on quality. So, you know, doing three strokes or four strokes in a row of a drill is plenty because you're going to be full attention. You're going to really work on it. Then, as I said, you know, go back into your continuous rowing, row a little bit, then go back to the drill because you want the drill to, to become part of your rowing stroke. But if you're doing drills for 50 strokes, you know, by the time you get to stroke 25, you know, you're probably not, you probably don't have really good quality. So, you know, staying short, three strokes, four strokes, five strokes, row a little bit, do it again. You know, it's better to do it more frequently and, um, um, but with, with like 100% concentration. And uh, square blade rowing is a wonderful way to learn how to, to um, row in rough water. Now, there are camps out there that there are coaches who love square blades and there are coaches who despise square blades. So I'm going to be upfront about that right now. I am in the square blade camp. And the, the reason being is when I was... Um, learning how to race in the single, you've got to row in rough water, right? So um, I did a ton of square blade rowing and I, I trained in Boston a lot. And I used to do the full dam to dam, which is 16 miles rowing on the square. And um, what rowing on the square taught me, which I think is very valuable, is it taught me the rhythm, the rhythm of the release, and the rhythm of the entry with, with very soft, gentle hands, because if you're over gripping and you're squeezing the handles, you're, you're gonna get jammed up at those pants. So you've gotta, you've gotta keep the handle moving. You've gotta keep the speed of the handle around those transitions, which square blade helps you do. It helps you make sure that you're not too long at the release. You have to get out when it's time to get out. You know, So, so you reduce your wash at, at the release and um, to carry your blades high enough off the water. So I prefer to think about how high I need to carry my shaft, not how high I need to carry my blade, because your shaft has to be at the height that you can square up and you are above the water. And this is how you need to row all the time. So when you're rowing on the feather, you just rotate. So when you row on the square, you start to feel that weight in your hands um, you can exaggerate, you can exaggerate that a little bit, but you've got to feel that weight in your hands and where to carry the shaft so that when you feather off, you're at the same thing. And then you're, then you're going to clear just about, just about anything. But I loved it for the, for the rhythm and the lightness and the quickness and not fighting the boat and moving in, out, in, out, in, out the timing with the boat. So, um, I personally am a big fan of, of, um, square blade rowing because it simply taught taught me a lot. That was the closest thing I would say to having a coach in the boat. So not to struggle with it and start, you know, start rowing quarter slide, start with one stroke on two strokes off. I mean, you don't have to start like rowing 16 miles. I didn't start rowing 16 miles, but I did it quite, quite regularly. And, um, you know, I think that was an enormous, enormous confidence builder. At least I wasn't scared being out there in rough, rough water. I might've you know, made a mess of things every once in a while, but I wasn't afraid, you know, I wasn't afraid to go at it. I knew I was going to be, be okay. So, 
one nice thing about rowing square blades is you can have a really relaxed grip in your hand. Mm -hmm. One of the things you notice when people are first trying to do square blades is they have this vice-like yeah. grip and it's a fist yeah. and there are little white marks. It's like a white knuckle grip. Yeah. And it's not going to help. But when you're rowing square blade, you can basically have your handle like this mm -hmm. and you just don't move. So you have that really nice straight line, knuckle, wrist, elbow, and you should be able to just make the hook and hold on to the handle. And that's a really lovely feeling. You get no blisters because you're loose. This bit of your palm isn't even touching the oar handle at all. Um, and so it's a, it's a pretty special feeling. And this is one of the insights into the ultimate ongoing, never-ending refinement of your skill in rowing that you can give yourself little new things to challenge and finding joy in a tiny little thing like which bit of my finger is touching the rubber grip for me is just a great insight into one of the amazing things about this crazy old sport that we love so much oh absolutely i mean and you know i mean we've we've both been rowing for a long time but you know every time i go out i work on something I never go out and just kind of mind, mindlessly row. I'm always working with somebody or, oh, somebody asked me a question or made something. I'll be like, okay, well, well, what if I do that? And maybe how would I explain that? Or what if I move my finger here? Or what if I do this? And, um, you know, one thing about square blades that's really fun is I, I, I used to think of it as toss the handle away and catch it. Th those were my ideas. Okay, I would toss the handles out and catch them. And tap down and toss them away. So I always thought about keeping that, trying to keep the handle speed without tension. That was always what I was focusing on, on the um, square blade rowing. It's, you know, toss it in, toss it out, toss it in, toss it out, you know, just, just keep it moving. And as Rebecca said, if you just have some, you just, you just need a little weight in over the handle, and you know that the oars not going to go anywhere. I mean, you have oar locks for goodness sake. Oar locks are there to hold your oars, so you don't need to hold your oars. So just let them sit in the oar locks, and you know, go for it. <laughs> Come to Nottingham and practice rowing in the waves. We might, we might. They have good beer there. I like, I like beer in England. So, <laughs> so we've got some comments from from some of our uh, live watchers. So an invitation to go to Nottingham in the UK. Um, we have someone watching from Brazil. Sorry, I don't know who you are. Um, and then we have a lovely remark here. I'm learning how to do this with my new coastal singer in Buzzards Bay, Massachusetts. It's fun, but however, one must be able to reboard should you capsize. Now, that is a very particular thing to coastal rowing and is an absolutely essential prerequisite to doing any coastal rowing. I interviewed Ben Booth from the Rebel guys. And he said reboarding after a capsize is a num it's your survival skill, in fact. And you have to be able to do that, particularly for coastal rowing, possibly slightly less so for river or lake rowing, because you could, you know, swim to safety with your boat, never leave your boat. Mm -hmm. Yes, in Buzzards Bay, that's Woods Hole. That was my territory uh, from Boston University. Yes, and lots of friends down there. Now, a question here about good drills to get comfortable doing square blade rowing if you have a mental block and a <laughs> tense up. 
Well, Molly, what's your favorite? Well, just remove the mental block. I mean, is it? I mean, that's like it. No, no. Yeah, I, I always joke with people. Just don't do that. You know, just just don't do that. Um, but Cece, honestly, what what I would say is first start out stationary. You know, sit at the release. You know, get your nice kind of diamond frame. Get your elbows, your forearms level with the water. Keep some connection. Um, and first focus on keeping your riggers level. Okay, just you know, apply that pressure to one side or the other. Sit sit square on the seat and just get a sense of keeping your boat level. And then first start practicing just tapping out. Tapping drills are huge. Just tap out and um, in this case, check your your oar and make sure that when that you're getting you're staying over the oar. Now you don't want to tap out. You don't want to tap out that way. You want to tap out over the top. Okay. So when you tap out, tap out until the bottom edge of the blade is all the way out of the water. And then go back down in. And you know, don't even take a stroke. And first start practicing that until you can tap all the way out and then go back down in the water without the boat doing this. Okay. That that's illegal here. Okay. We want we want to do it legally. So we want to keep the boat level or lock to orlock. When you can tap down and don't do this fast. You don't need to like go fast like that because you're you're gonna vibrate off the pin. So do it slowly. When you can tap down, then tap down and feather and then go back down in the water. And then do like a like do like half, half, half out feather. Back down, half, half, half out feather. When you can do that, and the goal is to do this without the boat pitching or rolling to one, to one side. Okay, you want to do this keeping the riggers level. Once you can do that, progress to tap down, feather, hands away, above the water, back down, in. One, two, you know, half, 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 out, feather, hands away, back down, in. The goal is, this is how you learn to row with your blades off the water. It's a stability drill, and you need to figure out when you're not moving how far you need to tap down and and to feather feather the oars, keeping all your weight above the handle. And if you start to practice that stationary, if you master that stationary that you can get to arms and body away without touching the water and going back down, basically and keeping the rigor level, you can row, you can now row with your blades off the water. But you've got to establish a new, a new um, pattern. So Andres has remarked, this is how I start my warm-up with square blade tap downs. So that's yeah. That's a great, yeah, that's a great drill. And you can do these tap downs. Another variation, which Troy likes to do, Troy Howell at Craftsbury, is on, you know, start at the release and tap, 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 tap all the way square blade through the recovery up to the top of the slide. And then tap, 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 tap all the way back and practice going, you know, up to the entry and back to the release, tapping square blades. That's it. And again, the goal is to clear the bottom edge of the blade and to keep your boat level. Okay. So you've got to keep that weight into the oarlocks. Even you're, if you're doing this, you know, that's not really what we're after. We're at, after a stable upper body and then practicing those, those tap down drills. That's, that's a challenge. I now feel that I need to immediately go out and see if I can do that drill. I do too. You know, actually, uh, Troy, uh, we were talking to Troy the other day, and um, and and uh, in the group, they reminded me of that. I'm like, oh, I haven't like I haven't done those in a long time. So that's actually on 
we both are going to do it on Friday. Okay, that's our that's going to be our task task for this week. Get back to our new drills. <laughs> so one thing that I would add to the question about having a mental block or tensing up is to give yourself a little micro goal. So if you imagine your personal tension in your body on a scale of one to ten, and you go, how is my tension now? Oh, it's an eight. Okay. Can I reduce it to a seven? And you literally give yourself that tiny micro goal on the next three strokes. I'm just going to try and move to a seven from an eight. And if you can get to a seven, can you get down to a six? And if it goes back to eight again, that's okay. You just practice it again and see how many strokes it takes you to reduce your tension down a notch, down two notches, down three notches. That Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, that's really, really good advice for anything. Lower your expectation. I mean, most of the time, if you've got a block and you're getting all tensed up and it feels a little bit out of your range, you're biting off more than you can chew. It's that simple. So re reduce your expectation bring it down, scale it down into bite-sized pieces. And um, and as Rebecca said, if you, can you identify where the tension is coming from? Well, maybe we could put some of that tension like into the orlocks, into the pins and take it out of our lats and our shoulders. You know, can we, can we draw down and disperse it out into the structure of the boat? But, um, but yeah, scale things down. Usually, usually when you're getting um, upset or a little bit tense, you're just trying to do too much. And another question here, when you're maintaining pressure out to the orlocks, how do you keep your shoulders from tensing up? <laughs> um, sorry, but this is a super, super simple answer. Absolutely. You are only pushing on your thumbs. If you can sit where you are now and push on your thumbs, maybe do as Marlene did earlier, and she had a she had a marker pen. So here's my marker pen, and it's my oil handle. Can I push on there without bracing up here? If the answer is yes. That's what you're doing in the boat. Sorry. You just have to shrug your shoulders down and just focus on only moving your thumbs. So you isolate the movement and your pressure out to the oarlocks is actually not a very big pressure. It's your thumb and maybe you're pushing it down on, on a table. If you stand up and really lean into it, yeah, you can put a ton of pressure on your thumb. But actually, if you're just, say, pushing, um, you know, pushing something away from you is a pen on the, on the table and you just want to push it like that. That's almost the amount of pressure that you need in order to keep your um, buttons against your gates. Yeah. And another suggestion I would have for Cece is, you know, that that contact, tactile contact at the end of the handle is really all about all you need. But also focus on your body position. So, so if you're, if I want you to sit on your seat right now and and identify your shoulder blades, okay. And now you know your shoulder blade, those wing bones in the back. Um, draw your shoulder blades down against your rib cage because when you're rowing, you don't want them slipping. If they're slipping, you're very unstable in your trunk and your core. So you're you're lats these are your lats those muscles down here which you might have to find underneath your armpits okay that's your cobra back right so you but you have to you have to draw your shoulder blades you've got a muscle underneath your shoulder blade that keeps that wing down against your rib cage so you've got to draw down against your rib cage and keep it there and it should not move you don't want to be 
that having this kind of motion through the stroke. That's very unstable. You want to keep that um, scapula stable and, and um, that in itself is going to put weight over the top of the handle, which is also going to keep you in the orlock. So um, that's, that's usually, usually if you're, if you're tensing up, you're coming away from the boat. You want to lower down and work, work into, into the boat, into the riggers. Very, very good point there. I kind of like to think of the, um, back of your shoulder blades as like your angel wings, you know? Yeah, so exactly. Right. Wings. They're spreading. They're spreading. If you don't, and another little drill you can do is like hook your fingers together in front of you and just try to pull the hook with your fingers hook, just pull apart. You're going to feel your lats activate. That's what, and feel how your elbows move out. That's what you want to feel like put pressure out into the orlocks. And then you've got that hand position of your index finger and your thumb near the end of the handle. And you've got that sense of just pressing the elbows out and that activates your lats. That's going to keep you your weight into the orlock and that's going to help stabilize the boat. But you can practice that with a rubber band mm. or you can practice that just hooking your fingers. I actually have a horseshoe, like a real horseshoe. And, and I do some isometric exercises with that. I hold the horseshoe and try to pull it apart. Okay. Because, because this is a stabilizing pattern that you need in your upper body. And so you have to train this isometrically. This isn't a concentric motion where everything is moving. This is a stabilizing moving motion. So you have to practice this kind of more in a holding motion. So that, that would, that'll help a lot with your stability to get your blades off the water to row in rough water. If, if your lats are not engaged, you, you, you'll have a very difficult time doing it. So for people who want to know a little bit more about how to train these different parts of your body, our Faster Masters rowing training programs include land training. And a quick sales pitch, the land training exercises aren't just weightlifting in the gym. They include drills like the one that Marlene just described to strengthen your scapula and the supporting muscles around there. And they are all designed to help you in the rowing stroke. So anyone who would like to, we would love to have you on board as uh, customers of Faster Masters. You can find all of our programs at fastermastersrowing.com. And yeah, maybe summertime is a good time to pick up your focus and have a, a little training program that you can do alongside us. And of course, you then have access to ask us a lot more private questions with regard to your own needs. If you buy the crew program, you can also, within the price, submit video for analysis, and we'll give you individual feedback and specific drills and skill changes that we recommend for your crew. What's in the uh, June program, Marlene? Oh, in June. Um, hmm. In June, I think we started a little bit. We we. we with our 1K program, we, we've sort of stayed on track as if we were racing. Um, so, so there are some thousand meter intervals in there, and um, I did I did include some acceleration work and and some power like focused power strokes and a little bit of starting work. Um, not anything over the top, but you know there is some you know some stuff in there for for quickness and sharpness. And then we have a lockdown the lockdown program, which um, which is also probably for people who 
who may not be on the water yet, even though you know we're getting more people on the water. And that has um, more variations for some erg work and also um, some cross-training suggestions in it as well. And um, you know, we, we've got some land, there's some land exercises in there. There's a whole series of balance exercises and um, there's also a whole series of hip mobility exercises in this, in the June program. And the balance exercises were in the May program, but but if you sign up, you always get two programs. So the, the previous month is always still live until the end of June, so. Yeah, and if you find that during the month, your waterway opens up and you can get back on the water, you can absolutely switch mid-month. And the 1K program is for people who we hope will be racing in September. So it's aiming for a possible September 1K race. I think that's all we've got time for today for Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Lockdown week 12 is going to end soon and we'll think of another name for the show when it's no longer lockdown. But <laughs> right. Make, make some suggestions. Next week, we're going to have an entire show dedicated to answering your questions. So it's an Ask Me Anything AMA show. And I will put a quick message out on the email for anyone who's on our email newsletter, which you can get at fastermastersrowing.com, or who's on our Facebook groups. Uh, please put your questions up there, PM me, or just put them out in public. And let's build a show that answers your questions. I'm Rebecca Caro. And till next time, goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>